Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. All right, did I come up at the right time? All right, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm not real bright sometimes. <laughs> well, my name is Lance, and uh, I've known Byron for a while now. Uh, uh, he kind of forced his way into my life, and uh, he has a... <laughs> that kind of ability, but I am really glad that he did because he's a great guy. And uh, whenever people talk about churches in Beaumont, I talk about y'all, I let them know about redemption and how much I, I like what Byron uh, has done and what he's doing, his, just the way he is. And uh, so enough of that, but uh, he's a great guy and uh, continue to pray for him. And uh, y'all got great things ahead. Uh, you know, hopefully I won't be in this building much longer. It's real cute, but it's it's cute. We're going to leave it at that, and uh, it's probably time for y'all to hurry up and get another one. So uh, I have too much to talk about and too much to, uh, to, to, to throw at you, so no, just imagine all the small talk in the world and all the chit-chat and all that stuff, and then I know what happens whenever your pastor's not here. A lot of times it's like, oh man, we got the B-team dude, and uh, sometimes people don't come to church when they know the pastor's not. So what I want you to do is I just want you to, to think about who your favorite speaker is in the world, just your favorite speaker. Close your eyes for a second, and then imagine that it's me now. That person's me. Like for some of you, you'd be like, "Oh, Steve Furtick." Well, just imagine me as Steve. Imagine me as Steve Furtick. All right, because he's a little shorter than me. But uh, anyway, I want to share with you something. Uh, I share this. I do a series every three years. Uh, it's, it's the same series, and uh, every three years, we just revamp it just a little bit, and we do it over and over again, and it's a series over offense, because so many times in the church, we don't talk about offend, being offended uh, like we need to. So what I've found is how real it is, and that every person struggles with offense, every person struggles with being offended. Uh, we don't like to call it offense. We don't like to say, well, I'm offended. You know, that's like for shallow people. But the truth is, every person here is dealing with offense at some level somewhere in your life. Jesus, and, and I know that because Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, it is impossible to live without offense. Like, like it, it's, it's, it is just going to happen. So no matter what you do, no matter how you live your life, it is impossible for you to not have the opportunities to be offended. So every three years, we go over this book, and we buy this book in bulk. Uh, every three years. Matter of fact, they, te- they don't even run specials on it uh, anymore. Like, uh, you know, like they have, uh, we call John Bevere Ministries, and they're like, oh, it's three years, quick, we're going to take that 20% discount off because we know somebody's fixing to buy a couple of hundred copies. Because we buy, uh, I think the first year we bought three or four hundred copies and uh, just said, hey, look, if you'll read it, take it. And, and this book is one of the best books that's ever been written about practical life. And I can tell you personally that I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't read this book 14 years ago because I would have packed it up and gone because we all, and it deals with offense. Now, I love the title of it is The Bait of Satan, Right? That's like, it's like, is that in the Christian bookstore? Because I don't know, you know, like, um, and he changed the name, and then he ended up changing it back to this. And I'll just tell you about it. Um, it just talks about how easy it is to be offended, and that every person in the world deals with offense. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody's hurt your feelings, somebody's said something that you didn't appreciate, you've taken something the wrong way, and, and John Bevere talks about there's two, way, two categories of people who are offended. Number one is the people who have really been hurt. And then their category number two is the people who just assume somebody meant to hurt them. 
Every, nobody believes they're in category number two, though. Everybody's in number one. They all think, you know, if we're offended, I'm justified in being offended and, and having some hurt feelings. But um, so what I'm going to do is I thought I had some copies. We're all out because I just finished this series a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to send Redemption about 100 copies of this book. And if you will take it, it's just one per family. And if you take it, that is your solemn oath with God as your witness that you will read the first five chapters. Do not take it and go, what a lovely addition to my home. This is a life changer, okay? <laughs> At least read the first five chapters, okay? And I would give you this copy, but uh, I've got names in here, and I don't want you to see my name. So uh, I'm just kidding, I really don't. But uh, offense produces all kind of ungodly emotions. And, and, and nobody wants to say they're offended because it sounds like it's very petty. But the truth is, we all deal with it. And what I, would, what I do is, is we spend, I think we spent six weeks talking about, we want the Holy Spirit to be unleashed in us, to be able to accomplish everything that he wants to do in us and through us. And what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, or, and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. All these things, we talked about it, and what God wants to do in, in the believers and, and why isn't stuff happening? Why are we not so? Why are we not empowered? Why are we not seeing hundreds of people come to Christ and lives being changed? Is it, is it God's fault or is it our fault? Look, just don't, don't blame it on God, okay? I'm just going to tell you, just, just don't blame it on Him. And so we look at what, what's going on. One of the things is that we need to be filled with the Spirit. And we talked about that in our series, but then we said, now there's, there's the quenching of the Spirit. It's almost like saying, no. We're pushing him out. And, and this is what I believe. The number one way that we keep God from doing what he wants to do in us and through us is through offense, through bitterness. We'll talk about it today. And, and all of it comes back to this. We have to learn to be people who forgive. And, and, and if you can't forgive, you're in a world of hurt. There is nothing more God-like that we can do than to forgive and there is nothing more ungodly or more ungodlike than we can do than to withhold forgiveness. So what I'm talking about today is every day. This is a daily part of our life that we have to let it soak into our nature, into our character, and it just becomes a way of life. And when we do it, there's freedom. There's incredible freedom that can happen. So see, bitterness Bitterness destroys. Bitterness destroys everything. Offense, whenever we hold on to it, even if we feel justified, we're like, it doesn't matter if it's justified, unjustified. None of that matters because according to what God's told us, it's not justified at all. So uh, offense and bitterness, it destroys marriages, right? Husbands and wives, we're dealing. You know what? Marriages are falling apart right now. And I'll tell you two reasons why. Pornography, number one, and bitterness, number two. All right? There's, let me give you two main reasons why marriages are falling to pieces all over the place. And, and so, like at our church, we're really developing some, some, some real hands-on way to help people with both of those. But, man, we've got to get this forgiveness thing under control. So, bitterness destroys marriages. It makes us ineffective as parents. It drives wedges between family members, between groups of families. But it also, it destroys or it makes churches useless for the kingdom. Now, here's, you can have a church that's growing, you can have a big church, but uh, just because a church is growing does not necessarily equate to kingdom expansion. Now, uh, now, now, just, you know, hopefully it does, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. 
just because a church grows, it doesn't mean people are being saved and lives are being changed. Maybe they've just got a good show. I don't know. And I'm not saying that churches that grow like, oh, that church, look at them. They're not really kingdom expansion. But what I'm saying is that when bitterness roots itself into a church, we're still going to have church. We're still going to meet together, but we're not going to see the kingdom of God, people growing in their faith like, like we're supposed to. So, and I watched it. I see it. And and after 16 years of pastoring, I realized this is the number one reason. What do you think church splits started? (laughs) God did not ordain the church split. (laughs) That is not not his blessing. His blessing is is on the plant. And there's a big difference. We're not talking about any of that. So look, if you're going to be looking up in your Bible, I'm in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read two verses. And I want to tell you, this is a message about freedom. This is, uh, this is freedom from the trap of the devil. So Luke, uh, what did I say? Luke 17, 1, where the word offense is used. If you look at, you have to kind of look at an older translation for it to say offense. Most of the time it says a stumbling block. But if you look the word up, it's the same word. And the, the word itself, this is where the, the, the title of that book, The Bait of Satan, comes from. It means this, that, that the word it, it, in the Latin, what it is, is it is the place of a trap that you set the bait so, like, you know, you got your bear trap or whatever, where you set the, the food for them to come get, and then they get trapped, where you set the, the food is the offense. And that's where he gets the title, the bait of Satan. So it is the devil's bait to get us to be offended. He is working to get you to be offended and to hold on to bitterness towards people. That's his, and I'll tell you, it destroys the work of the kingdom outside of you, but also inside of you as well. We'll mention that in a minute. So this is a message to keep us from stumbling, to keep us from stumbling as believers, to keep us from stumbling as parents, to keep us from stumbling as church members. And this covers every part of our life. And unfortunately, it's so subtle, and we're always justified, and we're like, I don't feel that way about nobody. Well, you do, so because you're human. So this is a message about freedom, but I have to choose it over and over and over and over and over. I have to choose it every day. Sometimes you got to choose it whole lot every day, but you got to choose it. So Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse, uh, verse 14, it says this, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Some translations say, uh, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows, uh, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So bitterness is, uh, or, and sometimes you could call it anger, basically it's whenever a wrong's been done to you. And that could be from something big to something small, or even a perceived wrong, uh, a, dis- a disappointment in somebody that hurts you. Sometimes somebody did something to us and we think that they should apologize and they don't apologize, and so we kind of have a little frustration with people. All right, so even a little bit of frustration would fall under the, the idea of bitterness. So uh, it's, it's also defined as a sharpness of taste, which just means it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. All right, you got people who, you know, you kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. Um, uh, anyway, we develop these feelings, and, and, and we don't want to call it bitterness, but you can call it whatever you want to, but it's, it, it, at, at its core, it's, it, it's bitterness towards somebody. So how do you know you're bitter? No one thinks they're bitter. Nobody likes to say that because that's kind of like some, uh, we don't deal with bitterness these days, but we do. So no one thinks they are. And if they feel like they are, they at least are justified in it. They're like, well, I'm, I'm bitter, but, but there's a reason. Like that makes it okay. And I want you to know bitterness towards a person, unforgiveness towards a person, uh, an offense towards a person, 
You are not allowed to hang on to that if you are a believer. You just are not. And if you do hang on to it, you've fallen right into the trap of the devil. And he doesn't have many traps, but his traps are good. And he's really smart and he's really clever. So don't think that the devil's some idiot with some bad ideas because he's been doing this a long time and it keeps working. I mean, it works so good that the churches in America are dying. But Jesus said, I give you all power and authority and the gates of hell won't prevail against you. But it sure looks like whenever you look at the statistics that the gates of hell are winning. Why? I'll tell you one reason. It's because we don't, we're more concerned about being right than being forgiving. So, how do you know you're, uh, how do you know you're, uh, uh, you're bitter? Um, I want you to think about that person. Do you have a person in your life that if good things happen for them, you're not happy for them? Do you? Think. Who do you have in your life that if something good happened to them, you wouldn't be happy for them? Yeah, you're bitter, all right? <laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, Maybe, maybe you're in a small group. Maybe, maybe this is kind of how you feel. Maybe you're in a, like I said, a small group or, or a community group, and, and somebody's asking, you know, it's prayer request time, and they're like, yeah, I'm just praying about getting this new house. I'm not really sure if I, if, 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 you know, I want to get it or if I'm not going to get it. And you're like, well, you really deserve that. You're bitter, okay? <laughs> Point is, we can talk about it a hundred different ways, but, but bitterness is real, and it's subtle, and it creeps in, and it's always justifiable in our, in our life. And another word for bitterness is resentment. And, and uh, resentment comes from two Latin words. It means to feel again. In other words, resentment sustains itself uh, by us thinking about it over and over again. And so what happens is, let's just take simple examples. And I'm going to use simple examples because they're simple, but I also want you to know, currently uh, at my church, I'm dealing with several couples. One of them, uh, they just found out that their uh, daughter has been being sexually abused by their grandfather for years, okay? Do you know what my response is? One, let's, let's kill him. <laughs> A little tongue-in-cheek there, but you know what I mean. Like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm very excited about his prison life, okay? Yet... My counsel to them is, you must learn to walk in forgiveness towards him. You must forgive him. Of all the things that can happen, that's probably the worst. That is, that is probably the worst thing that I can even imagine. It does not exclude me from offering forgiveness. It doesn't mean that justice isn't served. It means that in my heart, I must be forgiving. And I can forgive this guy, but he's going to do his time because that's the law. And, you know, so forgiving doesn't mean that we become a doormat. That is not what forgiveness is. And, and, and in this series, we spend about three weeks discussing forgiveness. And then we also give out the book. We gave a lot of books away this year called, from R.T. Kendall called Total Forgiveness. So if you're needing some reading, those two books right there are amazing. The Bait of Satan and Total Forgiveness. So uh, here's what happens to, for resentment. Resentment means to feel over and over, to, uh, to think about again or to feel again. So something happened. So you came to church this morning and somebody, you were walking up and somebody had the door and then they closed it and walked on in and didn't hold it for you. And you're like, well, that, you know, I've always noticed that that person has been kind of rude to me. They've been really short with me. And so obviously none of y'all feel that way, but 
Uh, well, maybe, you know, we're kind of petty sometimes, but, yeah, but, but you think about it a little bit more than what, you know, you're like, hey, that, I can't believe they did that to me. And a little while later, you're still thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and you're thinking about it, and what happens is, uh, is you, you, you develop resentment because you continue to think about it over and over again. It's like watering a seed, and it's going to grow. So whatever you think about, it's like watering. It's going to grow. Whatever you think about is going to grow. So what resentment means is that you relive an event over and over again, and the emotion of it grows. Now, what happens is over time, you forget the details of the problem, but the emotions are still very, very real, and the emotions have actually grown. So you had something small happen at a family reunion, and it stuck with you, and you pondered it, and your emotions have gotten this big about the whole thing, when really it was just this little bitty problem. Now, years later, you have to tell somebody why you're so mad at that person, and you're explaining it, and you can't tell them it was just this. You have to exaggerate the details a little bit so it'll measure up to the size of the emotion, because, you can't, well, they, they were rude to me, and so I but I feel like this, but the, the, it was only this. So you, we stretch. What we think about grows. It's, it's like what, what we, it, it's watering a seed. And this is why uh, Paul wrote so many times in the New Testament. He says, you gotta, you've got to guard yourself. You've got to think. Think about Colossians chapter three. It says, think about things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. And over and over again, he's telling us to guard the way that we think because this is a dangerous, dangerous trap. So bitterness or holding on to an offense, uh, these are, what I'm gonna talk about are the explanations of the verse that we just read. I'm not gonna take the time to go back into the words of the verses, but all these come out of the different words that the verse uses, so for time's sake, I'm not doing that, but please feel free to check me out um, and go kind of analyze and, and uh, parse the words of the verse uh, yourself, and you'll, you'll see all this. But here's how bitterness works, and, and I wanna give you a simple illustration. The Bible gives us a, an agricultural metaphor. The Bible uses these agricultural metaphors all the time. It's a root of bitterness. And I love that because, well, one, it's the Bible, okay? So it's gotta be pretty good. And so what it says, what it means is that uh, there's a root that goes in and what happens to a root? It gets watered and what happens? It produces fruit. So, and here's the, here's the bad part. The root always produces more fruit than the size of the root. So if we hold on to bitterness, it's gonna produce stuff in our life far more than what the, the event actually should do. We should be able to forget the event. Anyway, so there's, a, there's the, the, the agricultural metaphor, and I'm going to use a different metaphor, so it's not complicated. You'll be able to keep up, all right? <laughs> and we're just going to kind of bounce back and forth between the two of them. So, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the picture. We are, you're at church, and we're going to make it simple. You're at church, and uh, somebody overlooked you for something. They, they left you out. Uh, kind of got your feelings hurt. There's very few things that feel like being left out. Like, it sucks. And so some people just, you get left out, and you're like, hmm. Maybe they overlooked you for something. Like, hey, I really wanted to do something, and they, whoever, whoever could have let me do it, they didn't let me do it. Or someone said something about the way that I served, and it, and it hurt my feelings, and I didn't appreciate it. So all those things sound petty, but you know what? This is where it starts. It starts with the small stuff. So... These are little church terms. Uh, or somebody did something and it hurt my feelings and it didn't sit well with me. This is what it's like, okay? Let me, uh, let me find my friend here. There he is. It's like somebody gave me, like this is, this is the picture of me with my feelings hurt. It's a rock. 
and I got my rock now. Somebody didn't hold the door open, or even worse, somebody was driving like a, like a, like a person that doesn't know how to drive, and I'm getting mad at them, and then I'm like, get out of the way, and they pull into the redemption parking lot right in front of me, and so I'm looking at them the whole time like, where'd you learn to drive, man? They didn't hold the door for me. They talked about me. They mentioned something about the way I do whatever. You know what? It's right here. It's a little hurt feeling. I can only do two things whenever my feelings are hurt, when I'm offended, whenever uh, I'm frustrated with a person, any of those things. I can only do two things. One, that's number one. And this is number two. And what do you think most people do? We hold on to it. We hold on to it. You know why? Because it's in our nature to hold on to it. There's something that makes us want to hold on to an offense. There's something that makes us want to have bitter feelings towards somebody. And there's something that's, that's just, it, it's just in us. It says, no, you made me mad. You were rude to me. It, 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 I don't know if it feel, makes us feel empowered or what, but something in us says, no, I want to hold on to that. So here's what bitterness, this is, just follow along with this. There's, there's, there's three things. A couple of these have subpoints just to make, you know, make it feel, make us understand a little bit more, hopefully. And I just, my goal is that you just kind of attach to these things. At least one or two of these things, you just kind of attach to it today. Because this is the message of life change. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. So here's what, number one is this, uh, as far as bitterness. Number one, it is an unhealed injury. Bitterness is an unhealed injury. Remember, the root produces greater fruit than the root. But this is like an injury. And, and I don't know if you've ever been injured and, and then you go out and you try to do something and you re-injure it again. I play volleyball. I know it sounds like a girl sport. And in Southeast Texas, yes, it is. But there's other places where it's actually started for men. Um, and so... Uh, uh, anyway, I still play competitively. I won a national championship in 02, and I still play in the open division at the beach. And so that's what I do. I love it. And I've hurt myself before, uh, hurt my knee and hurt my ankle, hurt my hip. I basically, I'm a walking problem. And, uh, and so, I, 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 and I'll tell you about some doctors that I love in a few minutes who they kind of help me get back and they're like, now give it a little bit more time. And what do you do whenever you want to do something? They say, give it a little bit more time. You never give it enough time. So I would go back out and I would re-injure whatever was already already hurt. The problem is the second time, the re-injury is always worse than the first injury because I'm already hurt. If you break your leg and you're like, hey, look, I'm, I'm feeling all right. I think I'm going to go run. You're going to go run and you're going to make the injury worse. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're offended at somebody. I'm holding on to my rock and this is what happens. If we continue, this would be the sub point, I guess you'd call it, is we continue to be offended you see, because there's a, there's a root, uh, we continue to be offended because there's a root of bitterness that's already in us. And so we just get offended over and over again. As a matter of fact, uh, because there's a root of bitterness, uh, we just start to get offended very easily. We get offended very easily. And listen, this is an ungodly thought life. And remember this, our feelings... Because sometimes people talk about, man, I'm offended and how all the feelings that I bring... You can bring up that next slide. There it is. And so um, uh, 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 there's a lot of emotion that's involved in offense. But remember this, our feelings or our emotions always follow our thought life. We are never commanded in the Bible to feel a certain way. We are commanded in the Bible to think a certain way. So if you want to feel the biblical feelings, whatever that might be, 
then you must think the biblical thoughts. And so if you, want to, if you want to change how you feel, you change how you think. Nowhere in the Bible are you told, feel excited. You know, love is not a feeling. So we don't get to feel. We're, we're commanded of how to think. And our emotions will follow our thought life. So this becomes a cycle over and over again is what I'm telling you. The people who are offended, they get offended over and over again. Who gets offended? People who are offended. All right, that's easy. You know, who, you know who's bitter towards people? People who are bitter towards people. They're already bitter. You know? Who do you have to walk on eggshells around? People that you got to walk on eggshells around. You already know. Now, here's what I told my church, and I tell you too. I'm not talking about anybody that's outside of this room. I'm just talking to you. So don't worry about anybody else, because this message isn't for them. It's just for you. Because this is the message of freedom. This is the message that can change your life. Being bitter is a root, and it's planted, and it's going to continue to grow. It's an unhealed injury, and we're constantly repeating the same thing over and over again. So uh, like an injury affects your whole body, so if you, if you hurt your knee, it's going to alter everything that you do. Well, just like that, so this, so offense and so bitterness, it affects all of your relationships as well. Every relationship you have is affected no matter if they seem distant, they are going to be affected by holding on to this little rock. I had a guy in my church three years ago, whenever we went through this series, he, um, he finally forgave his father for the things that he did to him as a child. And his father's been dead for years. And yet, he finally reached the place where he forgave him. And what happened is, because he went so many years with this bitterness in his heart towards his father, it affected the way that he parented his own children. It affected the way that he worked. It affected the relationships everywhere because that's what happens. If you have an injury, it affects the way you walk. It affects how you do things. It affects every part of your life. So it affects us. Families are influenced by this. And you know, people say time heals all wounds. You know what? That's not true. That's not true at all. And here's one of the ways you know it's not true. Or it can make wounds seem more subtle, but they just go deeper and they become far more far more destructive. So bitterness is like an unhealed injury. And I should have wrote it's like an unhealed injury because it does the same stuff. Uh, and, and then we continue to be offended and it affects all of our relationships. And here's why. Because it is a weight that you and I were never meant to carry. You and I are not designed to carry this kind of weight. So number two under uh, this is bitterness causes me to be unstable. This talks about these are the ways that it's described in some of the, with the wording in uh, the last verse that we read. Uh, so once I'm offended, I begin holding on to rocks. And once you start holding on to a rock, it's easy to start looking for rocks. We're like, oh, well, here's another one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then that person, yeah, he's a jerk. I can't believe. I can't even get up here. Come on. All right. And so I just start holding on to all the, I just start finding Rocks, because it becomes easier and easier for me to start looking. Now everybody's offending me. Everybody's saying something that is offensive. Everybody's saying something that hurts my feelings. And so here's a sub-point to help you out. Here's how we become unstable. We begin to see everything through the lens of offense. Everything I do is seen through the lens of hurt, through the lens of bitterness, and it shapes my view of everything. It affects how I interact with my friends. It affects how I serve. It affects the desire that I have to serve because I'm seeing everything through this lens of hurt. And I start taking things the wrong way, and I start looking for reasons to be offended. Like, ah, you could spend all day on that. 
here's the thing. We start tucking it away. We're like, look, I'll just put it right here. Yeah, that's good. That, there, that way it won't bother anybody. There, I just got it right. You know, you and I are not made to carry this. And we pack this stuff on. And you know, we're, we're, we're hard-headed and stubborn. I mean, we really are. I mean, Paul describes it in Romans chapter 7. He's like, you know, the thing I want to do, I don't do. And what I, what I want to do, what I, what I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, man. And so what he's saying is like, man, we, we're, we're stubborn. We have a lot of problems. And one of the problems is we think that we can handle this. So we come up with creative ways. We're innovative people. So we come up with ways to handle this. And so we're like, oh, look. Oh, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the greatest inventions known to man. Because look, now I can, I, can, I, can, I can store all my rocks here. I can put all of my offenses right here. And uh, look at me. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. Oh, man. That, that guy. What they did. Mm-hmm. You know what, I got room for that. I can hold on to it. And we're just going to tuck it away, and we're going to hold on to this for the rest of our life. My wife almost jumped up on stage when I put this on at church a couple of weeks ago. She's like, dude, you're so hot. But uh, <laughs> So look, so we start, we start finding these innovative ways to carry around our offenses. We give it labels. We justify it. We think that it's okay. And we're, because, well, I got it taken care of. I've got it organized. And you know what we become? We become little rock collectors. We become little people who look for all the little offenses that we can find. And we just, oh, yep, yeah, oh, and that person. And we find bitterness everywhere. And we find somebody's always out to make me mad. Somebody's always against me. And they're not. I'm just looking for it. So we see everything through the lens of offense, and we just start packing in these rocks. We hold on to them as best we can. Here's what it does. So we see it all, we, we see it all through the wrong lens, and, and here's what happens. It makes the easy difficult. You see, life's going to trip you up anyway. And there are struggles that are common for everybody. I mean, you struggle with stuff. I struggle with stuff. The people next to you, we all have struggles in life. We just do. But now, regular life is going to trip you up a lot easier because I'm out of balance. You pack on a little extra weight that you're not supposed to be carrying, you're not made to carry this, and you're going to find that, that life trips you up a whole lot easier. You know, and in life, there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be roadblocks. And to the person who's out of balance, the roadblocks become devastating. Like roadblocks become very difficult. The potholes that you find in life become real problematic. The setbacks become crippling. Remember, life is a marathon. Paul related uh, Christianity to a race, and it's a marathon. Well, you're not ready to run a marathon when you're weighted down. You can't run a marathon. It's a lot harder to, to run around those potholes or to jump over certain things or to avoid certain things whenever you're already out of balance and you're weighted down. And so life just becomes far more difficult. And here's another one. And those are just summaries of how it does it, but it also it makes the small big. So it makes the, the, the simple things more difficult, but it makes the small things big things. Turns small issues, small hurts, into big hurts. So uh, I, uh, I am older than most of you, probably, and, uh, uh, which is cool, because I don't mind, because I'm ready for retirement. I'm actually trying to, looking forward to my uh, adult, senior adult living home where they just bring me my food and I just like play bingo. So anyway, uh, 
Uh, he said I still have like four more years. But anyway, I'll uh, see how that turns out. Anyway, uh, so I, uh, I was in college, and there was this movie. Uh, I guess you can call it a movie. It's called Wayne's World. Anybody? Yeah. All right, so a uh, few of us. And so uh, Wayne's World had Wayne. It was Wayne and Garth were the main guys, and they were goofy. And, and uh, so they were going to, and it was either one or two, and I don't remember which one, but they were sneaking into somewhere. And they were having to crawl on the ground to the army crawl. And, and like Wayne, army crawled, and he was on up. He turns around and looks, and Garth is way back there going, oh, I fell on my keys. Oh, you just go without me. And, like, and I remember, like, I was in college, and I was like, that's so stupid. Oh, my gosh, these guys are, oh, man. I can't believe they paid them for this movie. It's so stupid. About two months later, I fell on my keys. And I was like, oh, he, and I remember thinking, Garth was right. <laughs> it does hurt. Oh, but my key, the keys, I didn't even carry a lot of keys. I mean, it was a couple of car keys, and I fell on it, and it hurt. Because, you know, imagine right now if I fell on the ground. It would hurt. I mean, I would hurt myself. Now, I practice. My wife owns a gym, and so I do burpees a lot. And I don't, I don't look like it, but burpees are basically uh, practice to falling down and getting up, if you don't know what it is. You just fall down, you get up. You fall down, you get up. That's all you do. So... But if I'm packing some stuff that I'm not supposed to be carrying and I fall down, it's going to hurt. It's going to leave some bruises. It's going to leave some marks. Why? Because I'm not supposed to carry it. And it makes the simple things more difficult. It makes the, the things that shouldn't hurt, it makes them hurt a lot more. So how do you know if, uh, how do you know if, if, if you're making something small into something big? You need people in your life that can tell you. You need somebody in your life. You need several people in your life that can give you an honest answer and say, I don't think this is a big deal. And if several people in your life say that, you need to listen to them. And if you don't have people in your life that can say that to you, you need to get into a small group. You need to get into a community group. You need to get into whatever the groups are that you have at this church so you can have somebody that will speak into your life and tell you, you are making a big deal out of something that's very small. And when you hear that, you need to go, I'm probably carrying some things I shouldn't be carrying. I'm probably carrying something, because it is a big deal to you. Because when you fall down and you hurt yourself on a rock, it hurts. So why don't you find out why you got hurt and take care of it so that you can move on. So anyway, the little things, are, uh, the little things in life hurt far more than they should because I'm carrying things that I'm not designed to carry. So the last thing is this. Number three is this, that, that bitterness contaminates other people. This is a big deal to me. It, 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 uh, it says contaminates. Uh, by definition, it means to make sick. That can be physically sick. It's like a virus. It stains people, and it robs people of purity, and, and, and there is nothing more contagious in this world than an offense. Come on up, Trevor. <clears throat> What's up, man? Hey. That was fun. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. I'm well. Thank you. Yes, I did enjoy your church. It was fine. Um, you know, I, you're so goofy. You're holes in your pants, man. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, it's good. I did like your place. Um, I, just between me and you, though, okay? Don't tell them. Um, just between me and you. I, I've known your drummer for a while. He's a good guy. I know he got a recent promotion. He's like a big guy now, whatever. But... You know what, I ain't saying that. I would just keep my eye on him. I'd be real careful with him because, you know, I, just, I, would just, I would just watch out if I were you. But, that, look, I don't want to talk about it. It's really not a big deal. 
So anyway, look, I don't want to talk anymore. I'm sorry. Okay, see you later, man. All right. Now, number one, I know Corey who plays the drums, and I don't have a problem with Corey who plays the drums. All right? <laughs> so what just happened right there is what happens in our homes, text messages, conversations, social media. I can say so much without saying it. And what I just did, this is a picture of me literally injecting somebody with poison. Now, Trevor, whether he knows it or not, he has a little disposition towards Corey that he didn't have before. He has taken on an offense that is not his to take on. See, I went through uh, the book of Genesis last year, and uh, in it I discovered a teaching, a Jewish teaching that I'd never heard of before. It's called Lashon Hara, and it's L-A-S-H-O-N, Lash on, L-A-S-H-O-N, Hara, H-A-R-A. And it is the Jewish teaching, it is the Jewish law of talking about other people. Now they get this out of Leviticus where it talks about not being a talebearer, and then it is their explanation of the biblical principle. So this is not a biblical precedent, it is their explanation of what the Bible tells us. And one of the things they, t- they say, it is amazing whenever you read it, you should look it up, it's pages of stuff. And it's this, if you are, talk- if you are, are in a conversation and I am talking to you about Corey, your response is this, I don't, I don't want to talk about him anymore or to walk away because they rank the, 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 the sin of Lashon Hara to be above the sin of idolatry. So in other words, in the Old Testament, it was a greater sin to talk about your brother or your sister or somebody else than it was to sin again directly to worship a, a foreign idol. And this is why they ranked it so high. They said because it kills three people. It kills the person speaking, the person listening, and the person you're talking about. Now obviously sin's not rankable. But they, it, they, they, they talk about its destructive power. You know, so you see, so what happens is I just infected somebody. And so many times we infect people. And I make, some, I make my problem somebody else's problem. Or I let somebody else's problem become my problem. See, I've got these two doctors that I'm friends with. I love them both. They're both amazing at what they do. They're incredible. And, and what, what they do, uh, what happened was they used to work together. They ended up getting into a, uh, a problem. They turned into a problem. Now they don't, they don't work together anymore. Matter of fact, they can't even be in the same city. They had like a no-compete clause, so they're kind of separated now. And, and they don't like each other. They're not around each other. You know what? I don't care. I love them both. You know why? <laughs> because I did not make their problem my problem. And it is our responsibility. And bitterness will cause me to make my problem become other people's problems. So look, it's a root that produces fruit. It's a weight that you are not designed, you are not designed to carry this. And so though all those reasons are great, but here's what the Bible says. It, uh, it says it in uh, 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 what we just read. Here's what bitterness, bitterness causes me to miss the grace of God. 
Bitterness causes me to miss the grace of God. Now, uh, whenever the writer of Hebrews is not talking about salvation here, because he's talking to believers. So uh, we need to understand that, that grace is what saves us absolutely. We are saved by grace and, and, and absolutely 100%. Uh, you couldn't do anything to deserve your salvation. So, he, so the writer of Hebrews is not talking about salvation, but grace does some other things in our life. Grace also is God's, uh, it, grace helps me to change to become more like Christ. It's God's gracious, undeserved help to, help to change my life, to deal with problems, to deal with struggles. And what happens is, 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 is I choose to hold on to this bitterness like he's pouring his grace out. And I'm like, no, I'd rather hold on to this. So I step, I step aside from his grace that he's freely offering me. See, we can willingly mess out and step aside from the strength and the help that God freely offers to change us and to grow us simply by choosing to be bitter. And when I'm bitter, I've reached the height of my Christianity and I'm choosing to be a child. And this is, some, this is kind of what it looks like to go on hearing the word but lacking the ability to apply the word. Why? Bitterness. Bitterness will, will keep you, it'll get you to the place where you can hear what the Bible's saying, but you can't seem to make it work in your life. There is only one sin with a destructive force that can do that. Now, other sins are problems, don't get me wrong, but this sin is so powerful, Jesus said that because all of it, the, the, where, where's all this, where do we get rid of bitterness? How do we get rid of offense? It all comes back to forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only sin that Jesus pointed out that said, if you don't forgive people, I'm not going to forgive you. Now, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It just means our relationship is going to have a major hindrance with this one. Major hindrance. He didn't say it about sexual immorality, although it's a sin and it will hurt your relationship. Because, again, remember, there's nothing more godlike that you can do than to forgive. And there's nothing more ungodlike that you can do than to withhold forgiveness. So this puts a stop to my personal growth. And what happens is, you can't seem to get your life to live up what you need to, and these people begin following experiences to look for some, some thing that will happen in their life that will cause some change. But I want to tell you, real change is not made by what we experience. Real change is, comes through repentance and community. That's it. Repentance and community. So, offense, bitterness, resentment, the word can be translated to stumble. And so many Christians' motto, do y'all remember? Of course, I'm old, so I know this one. The life, life alert or something like that. The, it used to be the lady who fell, and she presses the button, and what does she say? I've fallen, and I can't get up. I mean, now there'd be a billion memes about it, and it was funny, and, and, and it was sad, because this little old lady who was like, I've fallen, I can't get up, but we made... It just, they just didn't do that very well because it became a joke. So this, unfortunately, this is like a lot of Christians' motto. Like, I've just fallen down and I can't get up. Why? Because I'd rather hold on to this than to walk and to be victorious. Come on. I would rather do this. The truth, so look, we're running a marathon. We're running a race. And, and with that race, I'm a, uh, you're, a, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a parent, you're an employer, you're an employee, you're a friend, you're a church member, you're all these things. And, and if you fall in one area, it messes the whole race up because it's one race. It's not a bunch of individual ones. These are all the roles you play, but it's one race. When you fall, you fall. So listen, when I choose to be bitter, I've reached a place where I've stopped changing and I've stopped growing and it's like a, it's like it's like God saying I'm not saying that he's saying this but it's kind of like this like God saying to me Lance 
You can't be like me and be bitter towards my children. Because if anybody had the right to be bitter, it's me. And I'm not. I can't be like him and be bitter at the same time. See, it's a willful choice to step away from the grace of God. And so, so not only does it change me, but it empowers me. Grace is what empowers me to do the work of ministry, to make a difference, to overcome everything that's trying to, trying to, 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 to wreck my life. But if I choose this, it's like God's pouring out his grace, but I choose this, I'm stepping aside from the strength that empowers me to make a difference, to overcome my struggles that I face. And then I become a battered Christian who can't seem to be victorious. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to take the rock that you've got in your pockets because you got some. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how, how, how old you are as a Christian. It just doesn't matter. I want to encourage you to take these rocks and just set them down today. Now, it's hard because you're going to leave, you're going to set it down today, and then whenever you get to your car, you're going to have to set it down again. <laughs> and you're going to have to set it down again. And you're going to have to set it down again. But what's going to happen is you're going to set it down, and then you're going to have a little bit of time. And then you'll have to set it down again. And then maybe it'll just start to be a daily thing instead of a minute-by-minute -minute thing. And then it'll become a weekly thing. And then it'll become a part of your life. Because the grace that God is pouring out is freely given to His children. But if I want to hold on to this, I'm stepping aside from it. And I'm saying no. No. Because I would rather hold on to this. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh.